0: Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. We're so glad to have you in the House of Faith with us today. We're gonna continue on in the broadcast today, something we began a couple of weeks ago. If you've missed anything from Legacy TV over the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to go to pearsonsministries.com and watch the broadcast, download the Legacy Studios app, whatever you gotta do to get caught up with us because really since the beginning of this year, the Lord has had us on a track, with a, with one thing in mind. And it's when we face impossible situations, we need to know from the word of God that God is with us and we are with him. And when you get with God, nothing is impossible. As a matter of fact, you need to look at whatever you're facing right now that looks impossible and you need to point your finger at it and say, it can be done. And that's what this message is about today in this broadcast. It's the continuation from what we began in Family Night several weeks ago. And I want you to stay tuned for this. Open up your heart to receive from the Word of God and let God do in your life what only God can do. Watch this and be blessed. I was going through the book of Acts today and just looking, I mean, from the moment the Holy Spirit. Filled up the disciples of Jesus. Peter came out of the gate preaching like a man on fire. And you know what he preached? In Acts chapter two, verse 22, men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, who God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be. Held by it. When God looked at Jesus in the grave, we look at it and say, It can't be done. He can't be raised up. He looked at it and say, There's no way he's staying there. And he preached, Peter preached, and the Bible says that that day 3,000 people believed. What they believe? They believed in the existence of Jesus. Well, yeah, but that's not all. They believed he was the son of God. Okay, that's good. But there's a very specific requirement here. What did, what did he preach? He preached that he was crucified and he preached that he rose again. And what he preached, they believed. Yes. What makes us believers? That's all through scripture. Even to today, that's how we know ourselves. I mean, it's almost an interchangeable word with Christian. We're believers. We're Christians. What makes us believers? What makes us Christian? Is it our adherence to the teachings of Jesus? No. That's good, but that's not what makes you a believer. That's not what makes you a Christian. I read an article by a guy one time who said, I'm going to live an entire year following the Bible. And he went back through Old Testament and New and all the requirements for the hair length and all the requirements for the garments length and all that kind of stuff. This is not a born again person. This is just a guy doing an experiment and he lived the Bible for a year. He's not a believer. That's not what makes you a believer believing there's a God, the, the admitting that there's a, the, that God exists. It's good. It's a good place to start. That's not what makes you a believer. When the scripture talks about a believer, I could take you through scripture after scripture and all throughout the book of Acts, what they preached everywhere they went, Peter and John And Paul and Barnabas, one right after the other, they preached Jesus is the son of God. He was crucified and he rose again. He was crucified and he rose again. He was crucified and he rose again. That's what they preached. That was the message. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 17, it got to the point where this was Paul's habit This says in chapter 17, verse 1, when they had passed through these these cities, they came to Thessalonica where the synagogue, there was a synagogue of the Jews. And then Paul, as his custom was, this was his custom. This is what he does everywhere he goes. Same message every time. Every time. What's he going to preach? As his custom was, went into them for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. That's the message right there. And he would go and he would preach it day after day after day and week after week. And there's something interesting. When you follow this all the way through the scripture, all the way through even Jesus' ministry, Satan never reacted, never responded any more than he did when the dead were raised. John chapter 11, Jesus came to Mary, <clears throat> Mary and Martha's house because Lazarus was sick. Well, he showed up, you remember this, four days after Lazarus is dead. This is too much. Lord, help me. Go there. John chapter 11. Sorry, guys. Hang in there. We're going to get about three weeks of broadcast out of this thing. In John chapter 11, verse 17, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. and Many of the Jews had joined the women and Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting at the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he'll give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Notice this, he who believes in me. This is how we connect to him. This is what it is to be with him. You connect to him through your believing. He who believes in me. Well, does that mean you believe that Jesus existed, that there was a real guy named Jesus, and that he said some good things? That's not what he said. He said, I am the resurrection. And if you're going to believe in me, you're going to have to believe in resurrection. This is what it is to be a believer. Let me see the hands of the believers in this room tonight. Do you know why you are a believer? Because you believe he was raised from the dead. That's when we refer to ourselves as believers, that's what we're talking about. The Southwest Believers Convention is a room full of thousands of people who all believe Jesus died and rose again. That we're believers. That's what makes us believers. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me Though he may die, shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asked her, "This, do you believe this?" She said to him, "Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world." And this goes on. You know the whole story. He came to the tomb. There's a lot going on in this. It, it, it's almost confusing if you just look at it at a first glance. Jesus. He knew even before he ever showed up there, this sickness is not unto death. It's to the glory of God. God's going to get glory out of this thing. And so you know that he knew what was going to happen. But even when he got there, the scripture tells us here in John chapter 11, that he began to groan in the spirit. There's pressure associated with this. And it wasn't until the last few days that I began to just seek the Lord about it. Jesus said in verse 39, take away the stone They said to him, yeah, he stinks. It's been four days. He said in verse 40, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Verse 43, what did he shout? Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came walking out of that tomb, bound in grave clothes. And he said, loose him and let him go. But the significance of this and the pressure that surrounded it, and I believe what Jesus was groaning in the spirit over, was you see in the next few verses that when the religious leaders heard about this, they began plotting right away how to kill him. They weren't trying to kill him when blind eyes were coming open. They weren't trying to kill him when lame legs were walking. They weren't trying to kill him until the dead were raised. And it caused such a commotion. People that were there and saw it ran from there and started telling everybody about it. And people, one by one by one, started believing it, believing it, believing it, connecting to this life that's in him, connecting to him, believing in him, believing in the resurrection. And it freaked the religious people out. And they said two things. We gotta figure out how to kill him, and we gotta figure out how to kill Lazarus. This is how serious it got. This is how serious, how seriously Satan responds to resurrection life. And Jesus knew that to raise this man from the dead meant his own death. I believe that's the groaning in his spirit that was going on right there at that tomb. <clears throat> if, I, if I call this man's name and he comes walking out, I'm a dead man. That's how Satan responds to resurrection. And it was certainly the case. Because when Peter started preaching resurrection, what started happening? People started believing it, believing it, believing it. And all the religious people started doing the same thing to Peter that they did to Jesus. They imprisoned him and they beat them and they said, stop preaching the resurrection, stop preaching the name. Two things. Not all the teachings of Jesus, right? Not all the things that Jesus said, stop preaching resurrection. They're trying to shut up the resurrection. When Paul was preaching it in Acts 17, as was his custom, he preached it. The Bible says in verse four that some were persuaded And a great multitude of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, I love it, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Now they thought it was a complaint, but I'll take it. These who have turned the world upside down. Help me folks. How did they turn the world upside down? Through the preaching. Preaching of what? Resurrection. Resurrection. Yeah. Resurrection. I'm so thankful for the teachings of Jesus. I'm so thankful for everything he said about loving my neighbor. I'm so thankful for everything Jesus taught me about seeking first the kingdom of God. I'm so grateful for every red word written on these pages. But without the resurrection, they're nothing. Without the resurrection, he's just another somebody. His words are empty. His messages are powerless, they're vain. They'll produce nothing <clears throat> without the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 in closing. <clears throat> so much more that could be said about this, but I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse 12. I want you to see how central, how crucial, how critical this is to you and I and who we are. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. If Jesus was not raised from the dead. If that truly was the most impossible situation that was ever faced, what would make it any different than Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead or Lazarus being raised from the dead? Never before had the condemnation for every sin of every man, every woman, every child, every human that ever was and ever would be Never had that been laid on one human before. What did Jesus cry out on the cross? My father, why have you forsaken me? What's that mean? You're not with me. I'm not with you. That's what makes this different. That's what makes this impossible with men. And if it didn't happen, then tonight's a waste of time. Every minute of my life since I was a little boy is a waste of time. Every prayer you pray is empty, vain, powerless, and nothing. If if he wasn't raised from the dead. That's how critical this is. That's how critical it is to our faith without the resurrection, without Jesus' resurrection from the dead, your faith is empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, I'm nothing but a liar. If you've ever told anybody about Jesus, if he wasn't raised from the dead, you're a liar. And this ministry is a waste of my time and yours. If he wasn't raised He says, we're found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ. That's our message. That's the whole thing we preached. He's saying, whom he did not raise up. In fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Your faith is empty. It's futile. I looked this up today. You know what it means? It means powerless, totally devoid of power. If Jesus wasn't raised. Our our faith, our walk of faith, our prayer of faith, our faith claim, our faith stake. I mean, everything we've ever said and done by faith, believing this, claiming that, trusting God. None of it means anything if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. None of it. It's empty. It's void. It's powerless. And all these things that we say, "Oh, that's easy for God to do." That's e- all that. The healing of your body. That's easy. The money that you need, that's an easy thing for God. Okay, well, why is it so easy? Why, why is the 20-minute mile so easy? Because that man ran it in four. Why is the healing of your body easy? Because he raised Jesus from the dead. And if he can do that, he can do this. Why is the prosperity of your family so easy for God? Because he raised Jesus from the dead. And by God, if he can do that, he can do this. Why is the, restore, the, the restoration of a, of a marriage that feels hopeless? Why is that so easy for God? Huh? Because if he raised Jesus from the dead, he can do this. But if he didn't, then we're dead. If he didn't, you're dying with that disease. If he didn't, then my needs aren't met. <clears throat> but thank God for verse 20. But now, Christ is risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord. He's alive. I said, He's alive. Jesus is alive. And it's that resurrection power, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, is what's quickening you and bringing life to your mortal body and mind. And why can I be healed? How can I be healed? Because He raised Jesus. See, this must be more of a central theme in our faith and in our prayer than it has been. Now, any one of us at any given time throughout a year, if somebody were to say, do you believe Jesus was raised from the dead? I guarantee any one of us in here, probably most everybody watching would say, yeah, I believe that. But what about in the moment when you're standing, like I've said, at a financial Mount Everest and somebody says, be at the top Friday by five. Or what about when you've got a diagnosis from a doctor that says it's cancer and you don't have time? Huh? Now what? We break into our prayer and our faith, claiming this, claiming our healing, claiming our finances, claiming our joy, claiming, th- claiming, 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 claiming. And that's good. But what needs to be energizing that prayer is if you raise Jesus from the dead, this is nothing. I call cancer nothing. Why? How can I do that? Because I'm a believer And my belief that he raised Jesus from the dead connects me to the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what he said in Ephesians. I pray, I pray. I heard about you and I'm praying for you and I don't quit praying for you that the eyes of your understanding would be flooded with light, that the light would come on in you, that you would know the hope of his calling, that you would know the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and that you would know the exceeding greatness of his power which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead, it took more than the finger of God. It took more than the hand of God. It took more than the arm of God. It took the exceeding greatness of his power to say, today you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And when he heard those words, they echoed echoed through the chambers of hell, throughout heaven, throughout the expanse of creation, and it got Jesus up from the dead. And if he can do that, he can do this. Yes. Thank you, Lord. If he can do that, he can do this. Yes. It's the same way if you can do what used to be so hard for you and now it's not. Well, it's an easy thing for you. Why? Because you've done that. And if I can do that, I can do this, right? Well, it's the same thing with God. If he can do that, what's cancer? cancer? If he can do that, what's a few dollars, right? If he can do that, what's a marriage? What's a relationship? What's a baby? If he can do that, I'm challenging you because I'm doing the same thing after, after seeing this today and over the last couple of days. It's going to change the way I pray. I am going to be more mindful of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead than I've ever been before. And it's no wonder Paul wrote and said, we carry around in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus. I carry this thing with me. Death is working in me so that life can work in you. Mindful of the cross, mindful of the death, and baby, mindful of the resurrection. Amen? Man, I don't know if I said what I needed to say, but I'm happy. I'm thankful. I know what I meant. And I hope you got what I meant. Because if he can do that, somebody say it. If he can do that, that, this is nothing. nothing. Amen. Amen. But you got to have that, that marker, that, that relativity thing. You know what I'm saying? Where, why is this easy? Why is nothing too hard for him? Because if he can do that, he can do this.